and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We continue our series, preaching series on the Nicene Creed, and we will be looking at these words both this Sunday and next, this Sunday being All Saints Sunday, and next Sunday being All Souls Sunday, one of the most beautiful Masses of the entire year. Today we celebrate the communion of saints, the family of God in paradise and on earth. All who are in Christ, living and dead, are one family in Jesus Christ. Romans 6 verse 9 tells us that death hath no dominion over the Lord. And so death hath no dominion over his bride. Death cannot separate us one from another because we are in Christ and Christ has overcome death. And so we are still united with those who have gone before us in faith and those whose faith is known to God alone. This is why we say every week, with angels and archangels and all the holy company of heaven, we laud and magnify thy glorious name. That is, with the angels and archangels and with all those who have gone before us in faith, not only the Blessed Virgin Mary and St. Joseph and St. John the Baptist and the Holy Apostles, but our mothers and our fathers, our grandmothers and our grandfathers, our husbands and our wives, our children, our friends, all who have gone before us in the faith of Christ and those whose faith is known alone to him. So today we celebrate a great feast. We celebrate the family of God. This is like a Thanksgiving meal. Do you know what the word Thanksgiving is in Greek? Joan, say Eucharist. Say Eucharist. Oh, yes. Eucharist, right. Thank you. I knew you knew that. Right. Eucharist. And so here we are to celebrate Thanksgiving. And one of the great things we celebrate at Thanksgiving is family, isn't it? And so today, at this Thanksgiving, at this Eucharist, we give thanks to Almighty God for the gift of family in heaven and on earth. The church is one. From Revelation 8, 3 to 4. And another angel came and stood at the altar, this is the heavenly altar, with a golden censer. And he was given much incense. I just want to point that out. He was given much incense. You know, not brill cream, a little dabble, do you? Okay, much incense. To offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne of God. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God 
from the hand of the angel. And so here we see in Revelation chapter 8, beginning at verse 3, a heavenly image of the angels of God taking our prayers and offering them before God in his throne. And so the angels in heaven take part in our offering a prayer to God. And whenever we have incense, when I bless the incense, this is the, one of the two prayers that I say. The incense is opened, or the thurible, and I add the incense, and then I bless it, and I say, and the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God in his throne from the angel's hand. From the angel's hand. And we are reminded by the decoration in the church, the holy angels and the saints of God are all around us when we worship. For there is also one worship. And through the Eucharist, we join that one worship of God. From Revelation chapter 5, beginning at verse 8. And when he, Jesus, had taken the scroll, the four living creatures, and the early church fathers tell us that they represent the four gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And the 24 elders, and again the fathers teach us that the 24 elders represent the 12 tribes, the 12 patriarchs of the tribes of Israel, and the 12 apostles, and the church as a whole, fell down before the Lamb, before Jesus, each holding a harp and, a, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God. And so here we see those who represent the writers of the gospel narratives, and we see the patriarchs representing all the tribes of Israel, and we see the apostles representing all the church taking the prayers of the saints here on earth, our prayers, and offering them with incense before the throne of God. You see, because of certain abuses in the medieval church, where people were going to the saints rather than to Jesus, or when they felt like they couldn't get what they wanted for, from Jesus, they would go to the saints. When I first married Christine, you, as you all know, she used to be Baptist, and, and we'd be praying about something, and I'd say sometimes just to get her going, you know, Lord, we've asked three times for this now. Don't make me go to your mother. And she'd go, no, no, no. <laughs> and so because of some of these medieval abuses, other Christians in reaction against that have given, I believe, death far too much power over the church 
in heaven, in paradise, in earth. They forget that we are one family in God. And that the book of Revelation, which opens the heavens to us, shows us that the angels and the saints in heaven are, are participating in our offering of prayers before God. They join with us in praying for us. And we join them in praying before God's throne. Again, in Revelation chapter 6, beginning at verse 9, we see an, an, uh, a heavenly image of the martyrs in the early church. And they are seen under the heavenly altar. And this is one reason why in early Christianity, churches were built over the spot where someone was martyred and buried. So that the church was built upon the blood of the martyrs. And this is why sometimes uh, a, a relic is placed inside the altar. It comes from, from here in Revelation chapter 6, verse 9. It says, When he, that is Jesus, opened the fifth seal, I, that is John, saw under the altar, the heavenly altar, the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the witness they had borne. That is, they bore witness to Jesus and to his gospel before the authorities of this world. And their lives were taken. And now they are in the heavenly places. And we see their souls under the heavenly altar. And it seems that they are at least partially aware that the church on earth continues in its struggle and tribulation. And so they cry out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers, that is, those who continue in their earthly pilgrimage, you and me, should be complete. Should be complete. And so they're given white robes, that is, that they were washed in the blood of the Lamb, the blood of Jesus, the blood of the new covenant. God looks upon us not in our sin, but upon us for who we are in His Son, Jesus. And thanks be to God for that. I wouldn't want Jesus looking upon me in my true self, or what well, my true self is in Jesus, but in my fallen, sinful self. Some of you are thinking, oh, but Father Michael, you're so holy. No, I would look just like you. I just get paid to be holy. You don't, that's all. <laughs> I would look like you, but no, we've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus, and we have been clothed in the wedding garment as the bride of Christ, the church. And this is why every uh, uh, priest, uh, deacon, bishop, the very first thing that they put on over the cassock is a white vestment to represent 
that we do not enter into the Holy of Holies on our own or trusting in our own righteousness, but trusting in Jesus and his righteousness, having been washed in the blood of the Lamb. Hebrews 12 tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. I'm sorry, I meant to mark this beforehand. Do, 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 do. A little music for you. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, that is, we are surrounded by the spirits of those who have gone before us in Christ Jesus. They are not far away, my dear friends. They are among us. They in Jesus, we in Jesus, and death hath no dominion over him. And so we join them today in worshiping before the throne of God. It says, because of this, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the, uh, the race that is set before us. That is, if we trust that we are in Christ and they are in Christ, and that we are part of a bigger family in paradise and on earth, then let us turn from our sin and let us live in the goodness of Jesus. We have a whole crew of people praying for us and cheering us on. And cheering us on. And it says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Looking for Jesus. And then later in verse 22, it says, you have come to Mount Zion. That's where God would be, have been worshipped. And to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. So we have come to a heavenly city, God's city. To innumerable angels in festal gathering. So when we worship God, we enter into his city, surrounded by the angels, who, by the way, want to point out here, are vested. Okay, they have vestments on, festal gathering. And to the assembly, that word in Greek, ecclesia, means church. You've come to the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, that word sprinkled, by the way, asperges, which is what we did today, right? I, the water, you were being sprinkled in the holy water, which is blessed to enable us to be washed anew in the blood of Jesus. So we were being sprinkled in the blood of Jesus. And so we are told that we are surrounded by the spirits. Jesus tells us that the Father is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. 
the God of the living. Many years ago, I was serving on Bell Island in Newfoundland, a little island off the coast of St. John's. And there, one of the old skippers was dying. And every day I would visit him in the hospital, and for several days he was unresponsive. And then finally his whole family had arrived so that he was surrounded there by his wife, Emily, and by his children and his grandchildren. And I always speak to people, whether responsive or unresponsive, as if they can hear me, because we don't know what the soul can hear and understand. And so I spoke to the old skipper and said, they're all here. Your wife, your children, your grandchildren, they're here. And so when Jesus and his holy angels come for you, you go with them. And with that, he opened his eyes for the first time in several days. And he looked at me and said, Father Michael, they're here too. And I gave him absolution from all his sins. And he looked at Emily, his wife, and then he closed his eyes and went with Jesus and the angels. My dear friends, we are part of a great family. Family in paradise and on earth. And so I'll end with this quote from one of the early church fathers. He's speaking of a saint before him, Saint Ephraim the Syrian. He's speaking of him who... St. Ephraim has now died and gone to be with the Lord. And so this particular father and saint of the church is asking him to remember the church in heaven. He says, You, Ephraim, who are standing now at the divine altar in heaven, bear us all in remembrance, petitioning for us the remission of sins and the fruition of an everlasting kingdom. And that father, yes, Gregory of Nisa. Ah, the fans go wild. So, my dear friends, blessings to you on this very special feast day as we celebrate the one family of God. Glory to God, who has given us everything in his Son, Jesus Christ. Glory to God forever and ever. Amen.